This is Healthcare Now Radio's Trending Now. I'm your host, Jared Johnson. Join me and my guests as we discuss the latest trends that are in the news or getting social media traction in the universe of healthcare and health IT. It's a fast-paced 30 minutes. So sit back and listen in as we kick off the show with what's on trend now. Today, we're going to cover trends in mobile engagement. We'll start by covering a couple of news articles about health systems charging patients for MyChart messages, and we'll discuss some new data that shows that appointment access is critical to improving the patient experience. To help me, I have a special guest with me today. I'm so honored to have him here. Please give it up for Joshua Titus, the CEO of Gozio Health. Joshua is passionate about creating mobile technology that informs and delights users. This passion led him to co-found Gozio after spending two decades in the left lane of high-growth Silicon Valley technology companies like NVIDIA. He has authored 11 patents and holds an electrical and computer engineering degree from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Welcome, Joshua, to Trending Now. Jared, I'm happy to be here today. Thanks for uh, talking with me. I'll tell you, that's quite a bio and quite a background, but maybe you can fill in some of the blanks for us. Can you give us a quick summary of your background? Anything else you'd like our listeners to know about you personally or professionally? And maybe you could tell us one of the best pieces of career advice you've ever received. Yeah, sure. I will. The bio, I think, underscores the, the nerd piece, right? So Silicon Valley technology companies focus on consumer products, 3D graphics chips, Xbox was one claim to fame, uh, mobile devices uh, as I transitioned out of that. But basically, left lane Silicon Valley, as, as the bio said, is really where I came from. No healthcare experience, but I have learned a tremendous amount about healthcare, enjoyed the journey. And honestly, I think that sometimes it's good to have people come from outside healthcare to help address some of the problems and can bring some unique perspectives. And if you're open to to learning what the problems really are from the folks who are in the fight already. Um, I think that combination is is pretty powerful. And I've certainly enjoyed the education that I've received uh, working with healthcare systems over the last nine or 10 years. Something advice that I've received, you know, this one is going to be the teacher here was not an individual. The teacher here was life. And I guess in 2016, I was diagnosed with a stage four lymphoma and wasn't sure we, I was going to make it. Went through chemo, came out the, by October squeaky clean. So I survived it. The takeaway that the lesson though from that for me was to make sure that when you work, that you're spending time working on things that that actually matter. And while you're doing that, surround yourself with the people that you want to remember you. So make sure you're working on things that, that matter to people. And that is, if you look at the company that I've formed and the people that I work with and the things that we work on, they kind of hold true to those, those pieces, which I think are important really for everyone, but it was certainly driven home for me. Outstanding. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I will tell you that perspective is something I do wish I had earlier in my career. You know, it's one of those things that it becomes your North Star. It guides you in a lot of your decisions of, hey, should I take this opportunity? You know, those kinds of things. So it's it's just something to be able to come back to and and use that life experience in our day-to-day work. It's it's great. It's such a good reminder these days. Just I mean, with with where a lot of us are, I think on a day-to-day basis of listen, there's a lot of daily grind in healthcare, isn't there? Especially on the front lines. And so being able to have a fresh reminder reminder at some point and and have that be part of our our workflow. I don't know, like our daily routines and say, like, just remember, like, let's make the most of our time here today. I think that's a fantastic reminder. Yeah. And the things that you're working on genuinely matter. You're affecting people's lives in positive ways. And it's important. It's a good way to spend your life. And we certainly are enjoying it. It goes, yeah, and we love the folks that we work with. Outstanding. Well, tell you what, let's dive in right here. We're going to start with what's on trend. And we mentioned this right at the beginning, but we're going to start off with a couple of news articles about hospitals and health systems that are starting to charge patients for my chart messages and and other related messages with their doctors and their clinical teams. So I'm taking this from a uh, first off from a couple of articles that have been in in Becker's as well as other news sources. But those are the articles that I'm pulling from. And 
really started with Cleveland Clinic that they announced that they were going to start charging for certain types of my chart messages. So messages that require clinicians to make clinical assessments or medical decisions or review medical history, basically tasks that would take more than five minutes. They announced that they were going to start charging for that. And then a number of other health systems have followed and have either already implemented that or, or have announced that they will start charging and there's an article in in Becker's in just a couple of weeks ago, just on, on January 25th, by uh, it was by Jacob Emerson. And I want to read just a couple of passages from this. I want to get your take on this just because it is one of those things that it almost kind of passed me by at first, but then it's come back in the spotlight. And it just caused me to think, okay, you know, like I can kind of see both sides of this, but there's not necessarily an easy way to do this. It's probably not something that patients are too excited about. What Jacob's article said was that he referred to it as, as my chart message fees are living on unstable ground. Mm-hmm. And he just said it kind of, when these announcements came out, they started a couple of months ago. He basically said it, he felt like it set off a fiery debate, you know, about hospital finances and patient access and physician burnout. So those are the bigger issues here, but this is kind of, you know, what one, one little manifestation of those things, if you will. So he said, you know, he referred to the other health systems that the other types of things that they're starting to bill patients for are different types of messages that are sent over patient portals, including things like a message about a new symptom or a prescription issue. So those, some of those are a little different issues than what Cleveland Clinic at least initially referred to that they would be charging for. And Cleveland Clinic on their website does have a whole page about MyChart messaging to explain when it's free and when your insurance may get billed for medical advice. And then what happens if you don't have insurance, you know, who does get billed for that? I'm just curious in general, like the the thought of, because this is relatively new for a lot of healthcare organizations, the thought of charging for messaging, where it feels like we've spent quite a number of years encouraging patients to be empowered to to engage on their own if they have a question find a way to ask a question right so just what's your general thought on this trend so when i was thinking about this, this is a great question and again this is uh, you can see both sides of it really i stepped back a little bit i thought okay what the heck does technology actually have to do with healthcare anyway how can we help and i think there's two big pieces right there's improving clinical outcomes that could be medical device development running studies more efficiently looking for cures for things making clinicians life easier so that's sort of one half Another thing that technology can do is improve the patient experience. And that's often done through, and most simply done through removing friction between people in the healthcare experience. This to me plays right into that. This adds friction, right? And so why would we want to essentially use technology to add friction to this interface? When one of the main uses of technology, as I said, is to reduce friction between me and my healthcare system. So that's sort of one side of the coin from my perspective. And, and we'll get back to what that friction sort of means. On the flip side, you know, I, I, if I call my attorney or, or if I call my accountant, I expect to pay for their time, all right? If I shoot them a text and they spend 15 minutes on it, you better believe I'm getting a bill and I expect to. And I know how much it's going to cost me, right? It's going to be 600 bucks an hour. That's what they charge. And there we go. So I think that, that people believe that the professionals or, or people in general should get paid for their time. So I don't think that this really runs contrary to that sort of belief. Therefore, we don't want to add friction, but we do think that people should get paid for their time. So then the issue is really transparency. And those, I'm okay with my attorney charging me because I know what they're going to charge when I call. So I think as long as we can make this as transparent as possible, maybe before I send the message, I've agreed to it, or I know what I'm getting into, 
that that will reduce a lot of the friction behind it. It is more convenient if I can send my physician a text and say, not feeling great. Looks like I'm running a 103. What do you think? That's a great thing to be able to do, right? Low friction, uh, access to care, super simple. However, if I suddenly get stuck with a $105 bill for that question, well, I wouldn't really expect in that. <laughs> so if we can figure out how to make it more transparent and is, is that regulatory you know, in terms of how reimbursements are made. Yeah, I probably some component of that. So a sticky problem. But I think for me, it really boils down to a transparency piece, not a whether you should charge or not. It's be transparent about that you're going to charge and, and why and then how much. Well, I like that because then it doesn't just isolate this to make it sound like, oh, someone's being greedy now, you know, or right. hey, that you know, they're desperate for revenue, that there there really is a legitimate case to be made for the clinical team their time somehow compensating That's right. for that. Yeah. And I think the market takes care of the greedy part, right? If hospital A, I can text back and forth for this much and hospital B is three times as much, plus some naggy little fees they tack on that I wasn't expecting. Well, I have a choice as a consumer, right? <laughs> so I don't think those will run too ramp, but I do think that uh, my position would be expecting to be paid for his time and I would expect to pay him for his time. So that part's okay. So Transparency, how you do it. I think technology can help there with transparency, but but it's still not a not a simple problem, but uh, maybe easier than we're thinking. Well, I like that, and and we'll keep an eye on this to see if, if other health systems follow suit. I have a feeling, you know, this you know th- there will be other use cases that make sense here too. So yeah, absolutely, exactly. Well, tell you what, let's dive into mobile engagement here because I feel like it's good just to kind of give us some context and talk about like a state of the state, you know, kind of the current state of what's out there for mobile engagement, how it's changed in the last couple of years. I hesitate to say post-COVID. We'll never be post-COVID, but (laughs) post-lockdown or hopefully, you know, knock on wood, post-peak COVID, a lot of things have changed with patient-provider relationships there. Can you give us just just some, some background, just wherever you see mobile engagement right now? Yeah, and I like how you set that up. I think it was a, maybe even a year ago in the Atlantic, they, they said the pandemic is over. Not because it's actually over, but because people are determined to go on with their lives no matter what at this point. <laughs> so we always live with COVID, yeah, for the foreseeable future, for sure. So state of the art, what we're seeing that's sort of new here, I think for me, it's really been, we are now experiencing healthcare systems that have initiatives created around, hey, we need a digital front door. We need to engage our catchment area. And they will put together teams and budgets. And those are in place by the time we show up. So whereas, you know, three years ago, five years ago, we had to evangelize why this was so important. Nowadays, once we're, you know, the first meeting that we have, they're like, we need to go do this thing. I'm the CIO. I've got marketing, writing, shotgun on the deal. Patient experience is involved. We have buy-in from the executive team. Josh, help us help us figure out how to do this. So in other words, the idea of these initiatives sort of coalescing around the phrase of digital front door means different things to different people, but those are already in place. So I feel like it really has made the move from sort of nice to have to to must have. And I think that the pandemic really drove a lot of that shift. It really underscored for people that digital and and mobile in particular is going to have to be part of how you embrace your catchment here. And so now we have a, we can catch our breaths a little bit and figure out sort of what worked well during COVID and what didn't. And we see those, uh, those learnings being applied to the plans for 2023 and, and beyond. I see that. And I, I feel like this is probably an obvious question to ask, but I, I think there's a lot of layers to it in terms of why mobile is such an important piece of the engagement puzzle. I know just as consumers, just as people, as human beings, mobile is an important piece of a lot of the things we do. Uh, that part goes without saying, but but what about patient engagement in particular? Like, what, Why is mobile such an important piece of that puzzle? 
Yeah. And this is something I'm not necessarily proud of, but it is true. I saw a study recently that people are more likely to turn around and return home if they left their smartphone at home than if they left their wallet. <laughs> you figure you can make it through the day without your wallet, but your smartphone, there's no possible way, right? For better or for worse, I think our, our smartphones have become our problem-solving companions. And therefore, you know, it's becoming a way that we engage with many areas of our lives. If I wanted to you know, get some food right now, food near me, I may even save my spot at a table, uh, right? That level of access and, and my mobile device being my portal into making my life easier is just part of our daily lives now. And we found that the majority of people want that same experience when they interface to their healthcare systems and they're willing to change providers to get it. So if I can make, again, reducing that friction, if I can make it a little bit easier for me to find access to care, for instance, or to look at my lab results or what have you, that's what I'm seeking uh, now. So so really patients and we think of them as, as really consumers at some point because they're choosing where they're going to receive their healthcare. They want the same experience in healthcare that they have in there are other other aspects of their life. That's so great. All right, if you're just tuning in, I'm Jared Johnson and you're listening to Trending Now on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm speaking with Joshua Titus, the CEO of Gozio Health about mobile engagement. All right, let's, let's get right back into it here, Joshua. Let's talk strategies here for a moment in sure. terms of how patients and visitors can engage staff. This is part of their experience, very much a part, and it's part of the experience before, during, and after care in a lot of cases. What strategies do you recommend for, for patients and visitors to engage staff and, and improve that experience, particularly with mobile? I think we can take a page out of the playbook for what we've done around patients and visitors. And what we found is that, you know, there's no sort of killer feature. It's the combination of features that allow you to reach sort of a tipping point where I've got three of those five, I'm going to get a certain amount of usage. But suddenly as I get four and then five, my usage goes through the roof, right? So it's not linear at all. So you have to have a certain number of key features in place in order to get massive engagement. And we certainly know what those are on the patient and visitor side. And so we're applying those same learnings to staff. It's earlier days there. So a lot of our clients are looking to do things like, let's just put all the digital resources that we currently have that are staff facing in a single spot. And let's put it somewhere that's at their fingertips, right? And that means mobile. So the first step in that is just taking what you already have and making it available to staff. And then out of that, you'll see an increased usage. And then we can learn from there, what are the other pieces that may be sort of missing, right? Maybe we can do something around rewards and recognition, right? So if I've got all these patients and visitors on one side and I can overlay them or connect them with staff and staff who are engaged on that same mobile platform, you kind of get a, you know, chocolate and peanut butter are better together. So rewards and recognition, reduce the load on overworked care centers, right? So by, by using mobile, um, we can, uh, you know, help make their lives easier in terms of uh, overworked care centers. Um, and also there's a safety component here, right? To increase staff safety and security, whether that's through visitor management or, you know, mobile panic buttons that you could have on a mobile device. There's lots of ways to go there, but it's early days in this space. It is incredibly critical. All of the clients that we talk to today, the number one thing said in their hair on fire is staff and staff engagement and addressing staff attrition and burnout. And um, we certainly think that, that mobile has a role to play there in terms of making sure that there's recognition of the care that's been given, right? The people and who have gone into healthcare have often done it because they want to help people. And so if we can connect the 15 million interactions that we have a month uh, with patients and visitors with the folks who are actually there providing that care, we think that we can drastically help reduce uh, that attrition and that burnout and, you know, reward and recognize the 
the care that they're they're giving. Well, I love that as a direction and as a mission statement, if you will, to to do the day to day work here to be able to improve engagement here. And as I think about mobile in particular, mobile technologies and their role in what's possible with engagement, I imagine there's a lot of of evolution happening. Meaning, a health system. It seems like I guess it's a question for you. It, is it possible for a health system to have one app these days, but provide a personalized experience to patients where where there's enough happening behind the scenes that the patient doesn't realize that. You know how how personalized it is. I've, you know, I've often heard the quote about technologies in general that if it's working well, in a lot of cases, it's invisible. It's technology that you don't notice. If it's technology related to a user experience or a customer experience, then a lot of times that means it's something. It's it, you only notice if it's not going smoothly or not going as expected. So, is that possible with the health system to have one app and have that provide a personalized experience? And if so, how do you do that? Yeah, Jared, I think it's absolutely possible. And I think we have examples of that working. I think of it, and I'm going to date myself here, but uh, I don't know if you remember the old choose your own adventure books, right? So you you turn a page and it says, do you want to go left? Do you want to go right? Or do you want to pick up the diamond or not? Right. And you end up in some end state. So when I think about providing personalization, uh, there's a couple levels of it. The first one is choose your own adventure, right? And so in other words, we're going to put all the possible things you might need in a single place, but how that makes sense to you and how you approach it and how you traverse that journey is really up to you, right? And that might be your favorites. So labor and delivery, wife and I are going to have a baby in seven months. I add all of the destinations and the doctors that I'm going to see between now and then into the mobile app. And they're there when I need them. So now this is very much customized to me. You may have information that appears in a mobile application that is dismissible. You know what? I'm a guy. I use this app. It's just for me. I don't want any more updates on you know the importance of mammogram screening. Got it. Thank you. So now this is the dashboard has now become more customized to me. Also, location awareness. Where am I? If I'm in an oncology suite, maybe I want information around where I am. Now at this point, you don't know who I am, but I am getting a, a somewhat personalized experience in terms of how I experience this this journey with this healthcare system and, and throughout this episode. You can go a step beyond that, though, as we talk about having sort of different levels. And one would be where I self-identify. So I will tell you, listen, I'm an oncology patient or I'm a labor and delivery patient. Again, you don't know me yet, but I've shared some information about myself. And in return, my experience can be vastly different. If you think about the educational content and the look and feel and the things that I'm interested in as a sort of frequent flyer coming in here once every three weeks for an oncology visit versus labor and delivery, it's a completely different experience, right? And so by self-identifying, again, I'm anonymous, but I am getting a a more tailored uh, experience. And then, of course, the last level beyond that is we actually ask you to authenticate. And if you authenticate, now we have access to and can bring out you can cherry pick different, you know, epic workflows. For instance, I want pay my bill to be on the front page. I want to be able to chat with my doctor in a single click. Those type of things then become available as well as hey, I have an appointment. Take me to not only the the location for my appointment, but take me to the correct parking deck, get me parked, and then take me into my the, the registration, and then take me to my actual point of care. Right, so you can have a very tailored experience to me through the authentication piece. So. Allowing the end user to choose what level is appropriate for them based on the given day that they're using the application is really key. So I think there's plenty of ways to have a personalized experience where I choose how much I want to reveal about my myself uh, in order for to have a, an improved journey. And this is something that you see in 
many other technologies where you get a certain experience. And then if I tell you something about myself, my likes and dislikes for music, suddenly my playlist gets better, right? And that can go a step beyond that. So we're doing the same thing here. And I think sort of globally, and in general, we think about bringing mobile into healthcare. In many, many, many cases, we're not creating something brand new. We're simply taking what we have in our other walks of life and bringing that into healthcare, uh, which is nice because it's tried and true, right? We've been doing it for decades in, in retail. Now we can just bring that in. And we, we know it's going to work. People have been trained to expect it. So that makes it a little bit easier. It's a lot of difficulty in healthcare, but this part is actually a little bit easier because, you know, we can cheat off of others' homework, essentially. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, you know, that's how tech works anyway, right? I mean, in terms of building and evolving and just continuing that development. So totally makes sense. Now, what about the role of user types and personas in this work? Because again, all this work, it sounds like if I hear it correctly, this is to create a more refined and personalized experience for everybody as much as possible. And that is an ongoing effort. What about the role of user types and personas? Can you, any thoughts on that? Is that something you can describe for us? Yeah, for us, it really goes back like to my oncology and labor and delivery example, right? I can select that this is something that I'm dealing with right now and I will get an experience that's customized for that. You could also split that a different way then and say, well, what if I'm a staff member versus a patient or visitor, right? And those experiences could also be different. Maybe staff authenticates and patients and visitors don't. So you can think about splitting it along sort of like an, at an um, educational institution, right? You have students, you have staff, you have visitors, you have patients, and they all might need some different type of experience. Well, each one of those can be customized, even though they may share 80% of the same things each one of those may have a slightly different experience. And again, I think it's important to say this. And one of the reasons that we have such huge engagement numbers is that we don't require you, we give you as much as we possibly can before you have to reveal something about yourself, right? So do as much as you can outside of an authenticated experience and then add to that authenticated experience where it's actually necessary. I think that's really important in this day and age where people are really concerned about their privacy, especially when you cross privacy with healthcare, right? It's pretty sensitive to most people. So give as much as you can without requiring authentication. And I think personas, especially ones that you sort of elect into, are really critical for being able to do that. Oh, well, I like that. I mean, it is part of this, this entire process of being able to understand where each of these tools fits in. That's great. One other thing I wanted to ask you about was a recent post on Gozio's blog. And I, I wondered if we could get your thoughts on this. It was titled, New Data Shows Appointment Access is Critical to Improving Patient Experience. And it discussed highlights of recent patient engagement data from a few different sources, from NGPX, from the Barrel Institute, and from the 2022 Stericycle Communication Solutions uh, Survey on Patient Engagement. I recall there, there were quite a few stats that it discussed Anything you can share from that or, or thoughts you had that led to that or just based on the data or some of the insights from that post? So the most interesting thing that I've seen, and, and I'll get to the data uh, that was in some of these reports, but just in general, the sea change that we have, and we attend many of the patient experience conferences, and we talk to our peers and we talk to prospects and we talk to clients about you know what's, what's really front of mind for them. And in each case, by the fourth sentence, and right, these are people whose bread gets buttered by patient experience. By the fourth sentence, they're talking about staff. And so what stands out for me today, as we stand here at the beginning of 2023, is the focus on staff at all levels of the hospital system, right? And some of the stats that sort of back that up that really were amazing to me. Number one, uh, you know, if a provider did all things they needed to do in a day, it, it would be 27 hours. That mm -hmm. one in five doctors is thinking about leaving Healthcare, not not changing 
you know, hospitals, but leaving healthcare in the next 24 months. And the nurses, it's even worse. Three in five nurses plan to leave within 18 months. This is a crisis. And it is front to mind with everyone that we talk to, no matter their position in the hospital. And that includes uh, the folks whose job it is to make sure the patient experience is good. You know, patient experience largely depends on staff. And if you have this level of staff burnout, staff attrition, it's a problem for everyone. So our focus on 23 is on this, as is, as far as we can tell, everyone else's. Fantastic. There was a lot of data there, and I think you're right. The, being able to point it all to to how it affects staff and how it's empowered by and enabled by staff. It's, it's a two-way street there, for sure. What trends are you paying attention to that we haven't talked about? Maybe it has nothing to do with mobile engagement, but just other stuff that, that's catching your eye right now. You know, the thing that we hear a lot about is uh, platform fatigue. <laughs> Hospital systems are absolutely swimming in platforms and offers of additional platforms right now. So that is something that we we hear a lot about. And, and certainly there are uh, platform providers looking to also help address this staff problem. And so I think our approach and something that we hopefully, we hope that addresses this, this burnout issue around platforms is opening up the Gozio framework this year, such that you cherry pick the digital provider of your choice, the one that you feel like is, is the best in class. And that will plug into our open framework. And if we don't have what you want, then we, our framework is open and you can develop on top of it. And the idea here is to help hospitals break out of this sort of walled garden mentality and allow them to choose which digital source they plan on or, or they prefer to work with today. And also you can switch it up tomorrow to avoid that sort of platform lock-in, which is, I think, the part that really is most egregious where you know you have a platform that's offered. It's got one decent feature, maybe even one great feature, but the rest are, are so-so. One of the guys we work with, Daniel, is, is fond of saying it's a it's an omni-suite of mediocrity. <laughs> and no one wants to be locked into that, right? So uh, helping our, our clients and our systems break out of this sort of platform lock-in is something that um, is a trend that I think is, is, is important and important to keep in mind as we look into how can technology help solve some of the staff attrition and burnout issues, uh, not to get locked into something that is kind of good, but not great. I love that. And I, I appreciate you sharing all of this, Joshua, for, for those of our listeners who would like to connect with you or just keep up with you and everything you're doing. Is there a good way for them to do that? Is that on LinkedIn or somewhere else on social media? I think our website, which is www.gozeohealth.com is probably going to be the best way to, to get a hold of us. Well, thanks again. I want to thank you for joining me today. And listeners, if you heard that, to learn more about Gozio Health, find them at www.gozeohealth.com. You can learn more about today's show on our program page on healthcarenowradio.com and make sure you follow the show's hashtag trendingnowhc and follow me on twitter at jared piano until next time if it's happening in healthcare and it's now it's on trending now 